Welcome to episode 3.5 of Interface, the Creator's Champion. We are your hosts, Ellie Popov. And Charles Jazz Terrier. And as the smoke descends, so too shall the illusion that we are in fact not... British. And American. We are actually... G'day. Aussie. Aussies. <laughs> so... Ah, surprise, and as the, yeah, the, the dust has said, oh, oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> but jumping right in, I'm Charles Jazz Terrier, she's Ellie Popov, and we are the voices behind Interface, the Creators Champion podcast. I am the male voices, as you might have deduced by this point. Um, I and, am the female voices, as you've probably guessed by this point. And we are also the stars of the upcoming uh, TV series Interface, where we play... Frey. And... Wyatt. <laughs> Let's jump in. The inspiration for the podcast um, came from our passion for the story, really. It's a story that we felt was incredibly relevant and one that really needed to be told. And we're really lucky at Red Empire Productions, mm. which is headed by the formidable Amy Casey, that we were in a position up here in Queensland to be able to start to share that story in this format. And we're one of the first people to kind of cotton on to that in Queensland. So it was a really exciting mm. opportunity for us to be able to share that story with a broader audience. Because the story it actually, actually started off as a short film a very, very long time ago, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, oh, five, six, I don't know, something like that. Even longer? It feels like a lifetime. Yeah. Um, but the, the concept of interface actually came from a question. Um, my father had come back from a convention in the States and was telling me about all this cool stuff about how they were theoretically being able to microchip human beings and have software that interacted with brain tissue um, and biohacking and all of these amazing things. And I remember... I didn't know this. Didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't well, know this. There you go. So there you go. It actually came from the question because we have all of these technological advancements, mm. um, particularly with weapons technology and what we can do to the human body now. And I felt really conflicted. I remember sitting on the couch going, this is amazing and we're kind of living in the age of the Jetsons, but just because we can do these things doesn't mean that we should. Mm. And that's essentially what birthed Interface yeah. as the short film. Um, and then we ended up kind of turning it into a web series yeah, was it six by fifteen? I think initially when six I sort of came on, and then before you know it was six by thirty minutes, and then it was eight by thirty minutes, and then it was ten by thirty minutes, and then it was ten by sixty minutes. And it grew and grew and grew. And that's what it is now. It's you know <laughs> ten by one hour episodes. Um, we were actually set to start filming. Yeah. My first interaction with Charlie was his audition for Wyatt, which was spectacular which is one of the reasons why we're really lucky to have him. Mm. But right during that time when we were ready to roll and we were green lit, COVID hit. Yeah, it's that little thing, COVID-19. COVID I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, yeah, COVID hit. And that kind of, well, naturally put the world to a halt because we, unlike most productions, which will largely shoot across, you know, one country or one territory, we were shooting uh, across two continents, mm -hmm. bicontinental between Australia and Taiwan. So when COVID hit, obviously travel went out the window, but so too did the borders go up, the quarantine zones, mm -hmm. the need for two week quarantines. It wasn't 
one, feasible because of all the health concerns between these two governments, mm. but also with the quarantine laws and getting cast in and out. And I mean, very quickly, you know, like everyone, we just went back to the drawing board, basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then we were really lucky because um, I think a lot of people gave up. A lot of people, a lot of creatives during that time mm. that were in development for different projects kind of threw their hands up in the air and we lost all these stories. Mm. Um, but Amy actually converted the first episode into a book, which you can buy on Amazon. Ooh. And the story was really well received. We'd gotten amazing feedback and it felt really good to be able to share that story. Yeah, and what started, I guess, to come out of that too was, uh, you know, the scripts were already strong and that, that birthed the book and then the book sort of birthed new attention and renewed interest and then that sort of led to, okay, we we're able to now, coming out of COVID a bit more, we're able to go back into, you know, the production process and repackaging and new ideas, new development to move with the times post-COVID, but then also, oh, there's a demand for the content and the space in the market, which is the podcast that you hear before you and that we're here talking about as well. Because, uh, you know, particularly, we chose to do, you know, American British perspectives. The reason why is because it's a truly global series. And while we might be shooting in Australia and shooting in Taiwan and, you know, shooting between two continents, the, the the story overall and the characters involved are from all corners of the earth, from all walks of life, you know. Um, Wyatt is a small kid from, you know, Brisbane, basically, who kind of gets in over his head and before you know it is on this grand clandestine sort of stage, you know, an underground hacking into government mainframes and all sorts of, not to give too much away, but... Spoilers. 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 <laughs> but if you've been listening, you would know all that already, yeah. of course. Um, but yeah, and, and, and we just felt like it would make more sense for listeners and for it to sort of really give the scope of the world to have it from different perspectives, let alone the challenge of, I guess, sight reading, you know. Um, that was fun. Yeah, especially in American accent, that's fun. Um, but yeah, sight reading, uh, you know, in, in a different accent, you know, that is not our own. Yeah. And it's free practice, really. I think I actually had it a little bit easier than you because the, the voice that I use to read the female perspectives is the voice of Frey, which I had a lot of time to develop when we shot the series. Mm. Um, I've spent a lot of time nurturing that character and finding her voice. So I think my job was a little bit easier than you. Yeah, we did have that discussion. I was like, so can I do it? And, and they're like, nope. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, maybe, maybe, but nope, nope, okay, it has to. American it is, you know, and because also there's, yes, I'm reading the male perspective, so yes, there's Wyatt, but there's also the other characters, of, you know, Jasper mm. and Fergus and Julian and Gabriel and Hunter and Pike and all these different people, you know, throughout the course that are all come from different parts yeah. of the world and all different walks of life. So having something which could kind of give you an insight and give you, I guess, a perspective, you know, of that male voice, but not be attributed to one sole character, you know, um, was really, really important, you know, sort of going forward, same thing with, with Ellie and, and the British perspectives too. I guess the, the natural question is, why did we choose to diversify the content? Um, you know, there's not a lot of people out there that are taking TV series and books and, and turning them into, you know, I guess, while it's natural to maybe adapt something into one form, not across all different forms mm. of media and everything. And in 
the scripts and then in the book form, you know, and then turning into a podcast, we identified, I guess, a, a hole in the market. There wasn't a lot of content out there which was kind of narrative driven. You know, podcasts are typically more topical based, you know, sort of hosts going back and mm. forth, not so much telling a story. And whereas an audio book is maybe like, say, one long journey, we wanted a kind of an episodic release mm. that had a little bit more storytelling and narrative to it with, you know, the addition of musics and soundtrack and, and sound effects and all that sort of stuff to really engage and capture the audience to also then drive attention towards the diversification where or from which it came from, which was the book, the TV series mm. and what we're doing going forward. I think what people are hungry for and a lot of this I do attribute to COVID when mm. everyone was kind of sitting around at home looking for things to do with their life. People want stories. Mm. Um, we're really in a position in the world right now where people want to escape or they want to connect. And we're very lucky with the partners that we have with Sound Vision Studios and Organic Media Group and what we do here at Red Empire, where we're able to tell those stories in a format where we can be with you in your car when you're driving to work, or we can be there on a Sunday morning while you're cleaning your house mm. and kind of fulfilling people's needs to want to connect and want to hear something as well that's new and, mm. and fresh and relevant. Yeah, and we saw the, I guess, the explosion uh, and the attention that was put on new projects during COVID when mm. people, you know, were sort of stepping outside their comfort zone with what they would watch or what they would consume because they'd kind of gone through everything else. Yeah. You know, and network television or cable television wasn't really just doing it for people. You know, 2020, we had Tiger King, 2021, mm. we had Squid Game, you know, et cetera. Um, and Interface is kind of one of those trailblazing projects which creates, it crosses genres, blah, 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 it crosses <laughs> language, tongue twists as well. But it, it crosses, blows your mind it, and your it, tongue. Exactly. But it crosses genres, but it also um, it crosses audiences and, and crosses time. Mm. Um, but it was one of those things where I guess ultimately we felt it, it has to be told and it has to be seen, it has to be engaged with, and it was as much for, for us as it was for you. You know, we, we wanted to tell this story, it needed to be told. It's also a hard story to sum up. Yeah, you can't really just kind of, oh, it's this, mm. you know. But we found uh, that when people were actually listening and mm. we had managed to create a semblance of that world for people, mm. the response was so overwhelmingly positive. Mm. And the thing that we were hearing was, oh my God, this is amazing, I get it. Whereas it's the kind of story that is so complex and so beautiful and there are so many different facets and so many different characters and themes that until you can immerse yourself in the world a little bit, you don't get to understand how amazing it is until you're there. Mm. And I think that's what's been one of the best things about what we've done yeah. with the podcast is being able to immerse people in that world that we're so proud of. Mm. So I guess, where are we at the moment? What is the latest with, uh, with the content in which we are creating here at Red Empire? Well, first cab off the rank is obviously Interface and what we've been doing here, but we have a host of other exciting projects which Ellie is gonna talk a little bit further about. The next project that we have in development within this space is The Blood Countess, which is an incredible story about mm. Elizabeth Bathory. And I'm not going to share too much about that because you're just going to have to stay tuned and watch this space. Mm. But The Blood Countess is also being developed as a television series as well, which is another you know, form of diversification here mm. at the IP that we do at Red Empire Productions. Mm. 
We also, I guess, have on that, we have uh, What the Fitness, which is an original comedy series, uh, which is sort of, uh, I guess you'd say, like The Office, but set in the gym. Huh. Um, and we have a host of other projects which are yet to be announced, and you will have to keep watching this space for more. But I guess to touch a little bit more on Interface and the latest developments there, COVID has actually been a blessing in disguise, yeah. as it would turn out. The Having the extra time and, and when the world was shut down, being able to go back and sort of diversify the content, create more you know depth and development in the story itself and, and add aspects of it, you know, which like the metaverse, cryptocurrency, things that really came to the forefront over the last couple of years, you know, 2021 and 2022 in particular, what we've actually since found is that Interface has taken on a new life and has that renewed interest we were talking about earlier. But one of the most exciting things that we are finally able to reveal and announce and that we've kind of been secretly hiding away in the back of this couch for the last few months is that we've recently attached the uh, incredible director, Carl Seaton. Uh, Carl is not just an incredible director, but also an incredible friend. Um, I met him when I was working on Legacies a few years ago, and his credits include, of course, Legacies, The Originals, Batwoman, um, most recently, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air remake, Bel-Air, as well as Snowfall and The Godfather of Harlem and a host of other projects. Really, the list goes on and on and on. But Carl's work is unrivaled in the industry and he has been skyrocketing these last few years. So to have him on board is a testament not just to everyone involved, but to the content. And we're so excited. So the character that I've actually had the most fun narrating, it's kind of a bit of a tie obviously I'm playing Wyatt and that's fantastic and that's been a wonderful joy and from doing that in you know the the I guess the TV series when we made the the pilot really uh, and then seeing the development of Wyatt over the journey I feel like he's an extension of myself now I know where he's sort of sitting so when I'm reading the content I'm more reading it from his perspective so there are certain things which make me laugh, you know, as Charlie and that make me laugh as Wyatt and that sort of stuff. Meanwhile, you know, someone like Jasper is really funny for me because originally I actually auditioned for both Wyatt and Jasper. And I actually thought, oh, if anything, I'll probably get Jasper. That's for some reason where my head was when realistically I was actually, as it's turned out, the right fit for Wyatt. Yeah. So when I read Jasper, I always feel like there's this kind of gruff, you know, sort of almost like an alcoholic kind of devoid of all emotion type male that's just kind of bursting to get out. So when he sort of does come forward, my voice seems to drop a little bit lower, get a bit more gruff. And even though I'm doing an American accent, I can't help but feel like there's this like angry Australian man kind of trapped inside <laughs> me who's just coming through. So yeah, I mean, they, they would be my main two um, to sort of do. Uh, but Fergus has some great lines in there and some great great quips and everything and he's such a different energy so really going between Fergus to Jasper is like you know heaven to hell with the two types of personalities that they have they're just complete opposites. It's a hard question for me to answer which character I had the most fun narrating because I love all of these characters I mean ultimately they got birthed out of my head mm. and I'm so blessed to have had people like Amy and Simon Kennedy that helped evolve yeah. the content which then informed the book and now the podcast. But I think for me, there are two. Mm. I absolutely love and adore Frey. I've got a vested interest in her. I will be playing her in the series because she's cool. 
She's Pretty everything cool. I'm not. She's yeah. coordinated. She's assertive. Um, she's got this dominance, but she's also got this incredible depth from the life that she's lived and mm. the hardships that she's endured. Mm. But I also love and adore Bertha. Uh, Bertha, for me, is one of those amazing characters that has the ability to make you laugh and mm. simultaneously shake in your boots at the same time. Yeah. Coming from that background of being ex-military, blown up, blow, blew up her yeah. commanding officer yeah. Yeah. Um, and put back into that position. And I think it's similar to what you're saying with Wyatt and Fergus being the spectrum. For me, Frey and Bertha are so completely different mm. but what they have in common and what i've really enjoyed about all of the female perspectives in this book mm. is this sense of strength yeah yeah and i think it's funny like even when i'm you know i'm reading the male parts but i've even had moments where i forget to switch and i'll just naturally start we get three pages and i've been reading Frey the whole time and i'm like <laughs> i was enjoying that but it's devoid of this it's not of any use you know so I have to kind of be like okay I have to and that's the thing like I get involved in the content to the point that I forget I'm mm. doing a podcast like yes I'm doing the accent but by that point I'm actually then just reading the book and there's been times where you know I've had to record remotely as well so in recording remotely it's actually just been me sitting alone in a room you know, with the sound set up just like hey <laughs> um so I from reading it, you know, it's, it's a purely like it's for the benefit of everyone here and, and the production, but I've had to make it, you know, also fun for myself. So I will end up sometimes standing and moving around and kind of putting physicality into it because I want to sort of make it come alive. And that's kind of what makes those particular characters fun for me. But it's also I now start to attach not just the people we have attached to the, the project so far, but I attach like other people in my head, like, oh, that person seems to me like this character. Yeah. Like when I, you know, read Bertha, I'm always thinking Jennifer Coolidge, for example. I just think, ah, she'd be so wonderful. Like, and she's so kick-ass and all this sort of stuff too. And it's just such a great character, for example. And then you read someone like Panda, and then you read someone like Hunter and Pike and so on, all these other wonderful characters. And you're just going, you know, same with like, uh, was it Gabriel? Mm. Gabriel, I'm always thinking like Lucius Malfoy, like Jason Isaacs. I'm just like, <laughs> he's just gonna avada, he's just gonna pull a wand out and he's like, <laughs> um, you know, but that sort of thing. So yeah, that's that, that. They're the characters that I'm really drawn to, on top of the ones that I love narrating. Mm. I think the most challenging uh, character to voice, um, in, in a lot of ways, it was all of them because while we're trying to maintain a voice consistently throughout the male and female perspectives to give the audience that sense of familiarity, we're still also trying as actors first mm. and foremost to make sure that what is translating is the essence of those characters mm. and making sure that we're honoring their energy, their intention, their story, their being. Um, for me, I think what was really the most challenging in that way was trying to make all of these women have a bit of a difference in the way that a line was spoken mm. or the way that something was reacted to. So all of that was particularly challenging for me. But I think what was a wonderful challenge and what I actually really enjoyed was getting into Tempest's mindset 
who is our um, antagonist and queen of the circuit games. She's the rock star of the circuit games and she's got this tenacious confidence um, and, and venom and depth that for me as an individual is kind of everything that I want to be and I'm not. <laughs> So Tempest for me, I think she's one of the coolest female characters in the series, but her mindset for me was probably the most challenging to try and make sure that I was honoring in the way that the story was being read. Yeah, I think from a logistical standpoint, the hardest ones for me to narrate are the, the smaller sort of bit part characters yeah. that come in briefly, because you don't have necessarily always a lot of context, so you're kind of dealing with ideas of people or you have to sort of create it very quickly on the mm. fly of what you instinctively feel like uh, you know some smaller char characters like Billy and Brett etc but I think from a emotional standpoint while Jasper feels very natural um, because there's a there's a, a history and an understanding from the pilot and from what I've read of the scripts and everything when he shifts into sort of the trauma and his past and all that sort of stuff, it's you're dealing with PTSD and you're trying to channel PTSD into a voice for a podcast. And that's an incredibly physical sensation and a physical visceral reaction that mm -hmm. happens, but that's being done audibly. So that's probably the one for me, yeah. I think one of the most challenging things about this process in what we had to record for the podcast mm was the fact for me that I was standing in a sound booth on my own and it was really all on me. There were these really large passages of text that tested me vocally, that also tested my breath control um, because there wasn't a moment to sit in stillness. Because as an actor, mm. first and foremost, so much of what we do and so much of what we connect with is right in front of us in our scene partner. When we filmed the pilot and I was fray with Wyatt, I would look at Charlie and mm. the connection that I got from Charlie's eyes was informing what I was doing and how I was connecting and the story that I was telling. It's a little bit isolating in the recording booth. And while I've been in there before, I've done ADR before, I've record, recorded music before, it was a little bit daunting for me to know that in a lot of ways I was on my own and I was having to really check myself to make sure that the story that I was telling and that the words that I was saying were being driven from an emotional place. Mm. Because it's very easy to switch off in that environment. It's very easy to just phone it in. So I was really aware and really conscious that I wanted to make sure what was coming through vocally was doing justice to the characters and to the story and to the words that Amy had written for us. Yeah, I very much faced a, a similar kind of obstacle. And further what I said before as well, I mean, I was recording remotely most of the time um, and I was being my own sound engineer while also sort of recording. And besides the sometimes the difficulties of like the world outside not impeding on mm. my recording space because I didn't have a, a soundproof studio sort of thing. Um, so th there were logistical sort of issues and environmental factors. But yeah, as Ellie said too, you don't want to be phoning it in and sometimes you don't realize it because you might start a chapter and it might be 20, 30 pages that you're doing and you start it really strongly and somewhere along the line, it's just, it's not that it, it's not that it is bad, but it can lose the veracity and the kind of the, the connection and the engagement that you think you're giving it because it, maybe it's late in the day or it's too early or it's just 
life's busy or something's happened and your mind's not entirely there and it has to be, you know. Um, one of the other factors is when you're sort of sight reading in another accent, you're not just, I guess, reading and speaking. You're sort of reading, interpreting, adjusting, speaking, reading, interpreting, adjusting, speaking. And then when there's quite complicated text, large, large chunks and everything, which give the story so much life and it also can sometimes mean so much alliteration, you know. So look to the lady off screen responsible for this. Um, and it's fantastic writing, you know, but it's, it's just sometimes I'm having to go back and say the line two, three, four, ten times. And by the end of it, I'm literally staring at the microphone. Why did you write this like this? You know, like, <laughs> couldn't you just make it easier? I can't say this word. Um, but we get there, you know, and then, and it's, it's fantastic in that sense, but it really does it's it's th those are really the challenges that that I was facing you know personally and just constantly having to adjust and I, I even went back a couple of times and re-recorded bits or even chapters because technical difficulties or I just felt there could be more that could be done this has been such a massive process um, and there's been ups and there's been downs because this project has been a part of my life for years the story came from my brain Mm. Um, and I was lucky enough to have someone like Amy who really believed in the story and helped it help develop it out and write it in the way that it deserved to be written. But I think for me, if I was going to give you a highlight in the massive journey that it's been, I get two. Okay. I, I claim the right me. of two. Yep. Um, I think the first one for me is actually um, working with Amy, which is weird to say because she's off camera supervising us right now That's keeping us in line um, <laughs> but i think it's very rare in life that you have a really sincere friendship with someone and you can work together mm. and i've learned so much about myself in this process but to have someone at the helm of the company who believes in you and also is invested in you i, I think the evolution of that's been a massive highlight for me but i think the other highlight which I think I might take back now, was <laughs> actually finding you. Because I thought that yeah. I was never gonna find a Wyatt. Mm. Um, he was such a complex character, and I kept saying, Amy, we're never gonna find him, we're never gonna find him. And I think you were the first audition tape I saw. And I remember turning to Amy and just being like, that one, can we please have that one? Um, and it was kind so thing. good. That, that one. That thing. that thing. Can we have it? Can we lock it in? Yep. Well, you're stuck with this now, mate. Yeah, Sorry. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I think finding you early on was a massive highlight for me because not only did we find our wire, but you've since come on and been an integral part of this process. Yeah. You're useful most days. Most days. I mean, look, I, very much to Ellie's point, and it's, I mean, there's so many highlights, and I'll try and just did reduce them into one big one um or deduce um but i no reduce yeah that's the one <laughs> <laughs> i just have to figure that out for myself live um but i think you know really the the big highlight for me i came onto this project as an actor um at the time that i did you know i'd, I'd had a lot of training and I'd, I'd been working professionally that was great but i hadn't really had the opportunity to take on a role like wyatt and as ellie said you know it's a very complex there's so many small, minute details to his character. Um, and like I said, I originally auditioned for Jasper and Wyatt, and maybe the reason I thought Jasper would have 
been where I might have fit initially was because I, I understood him easier because it was more clear who he was on the page with why there was all the intricacies and I kind of was like I, I have my interpretation but is that going to hit everything they want you know as opposed to Jasper it was like ah uh, yes this 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 I could break him down more uh, more naturally in that sense but obviously getting the role and being entrusted with that and and getting to meet Ellie and Amy and everyone involved has been a huge like joy in my life and a highlight and, and forming such great friendships and relationships with them both and everyone else over the course of the journey but as it's gone on I mean it's been a process it went from being just an actor as Ellie said to being part of the team I very much learnt how to make films you know simultaneously not just you know through this project but in my own life through you know Ellie and, and, and Amy sort of, you know, trusting me, talking to me, a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, you know, Amy has very much been like a little personal guru, like my little Yoda, uh, who's kind of been like, this is how you do things. This you is do the it way. This way. You must. Yes, well, Mandalorian reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my Mandalorian steel queen, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much that. And she's taught me and and given me knowledge that I didn't previously have and then entrusted me to use that knowledge you know and and reaching out to people um, it was a natural step for me to go well why don't I come and give back and help you know I saw I love the project and wanted to do it but I also wanted to help get it made if I could and you know when I got opportunities to bring people in from the outside like like talking to Carl and, and other people, it was just like, why wouldn't I do this? These people have become family to me and I, as a result I'm now part of Red Empire and everything and I, I just want to see the project realised. So every time we get a win for the project, we get a win as a team, we get a win individually, we, it's, it's elation. So the highlights are everything that's come but also everything that's yet to come to and going forward. I think that's what's so special about what you're saying too is mm. being a part of a team. Yeah. And you know, we're a weird, quirky little family. Mm. And Amy in a lot of aspects is our long suffering mother. <laughs> long <laughs> nurtures long, us at long, long suffering. Long suffering. You know, to be nurtured as yeah. an artist, I think, is something that is very rare. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about being a part of that Red Empire family is that we are all respected and nurtured. Yeah. And it's really nice to be in a space where creativity and artistry is really valued. Mm. I think one of the things that's been really cool in this process is the development of the music. Um, we were really lucky to have Sound Vision Studios uh, and the help of Tom Cramsey, who produces a lot of the music that you hear. And to be able to add that to the audio from the podcast and the narrative podcast, it's mm. really allowed people to immerse themselves to another level in the world that we're creating. Uh, the song that you hear in the intro was, was written by me. Um, and I actually remember kind of taking it to Amy at the time and going, I, I don't know whether this is good, mm. uh, but here it is. And when she heard it, she was really the driving force behind getting that track recorded um, and mixed and mastered and produced by Tom Cramsey. And hearing it in Interface, the creative's champion, it really just does feel like it fits. Mm. Um, music makes me nervous, which was something else that was 
interesting. 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 Because I think when you're sharing something that you've written and there's something about singing as well that I find quite vulnerable. Um, but my hope with that is that it lands in a way where it does connect people more to what it is that the story is about and what it is that these characters are feeling. Mm. We have another track that we are in the process of finishing up that we're going to drop. More triangle. In later episodes where Charlie plays more triangle. 227 to 234. <laughs> that we're really excited about. The triangle is the best part it's of that the best song part of by it. far. It's the best part of it. Uh, but I think that's one of the other things that sets us apart is the fact that we are producing music for episodes. Mm. Episodes are being diversified and translated into books and podcasts like this. I think it's been really cool to have experienced this story in this many formats. I mean, if we reflect on shooting the proof of concept pilot that was years ago now, there were elements for me of walking that space, walking in those boots, because mm. Frey has really cool boots that I'm really excited to put on again. Um, that really- Me too. You don't get to wear them. Not that she we'll knows. stretch them. Oh God, well, if they get stretched, we know what happened. Um, but I think reflecting on that time that we spent shooting the proof of concept pilot, that in a lot of ways helped translate in the room, in mm. the recording, because I'd literally walked in Frey's shoes yeah. and we'd experienced some of that story together. I'd connected with Charlie, I could draw on that in the room. I think one of the more challenging aspects of both the proof of concept pilot and the recording of the audiobook was the intimacy content. Because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> in terms of recording that, there's always this little voice in my head that goes, you're reading something that's very sensual right now. You're gonna have to act this later. And even though Amy Casey has come in and made this deeply sensual and very sexy, this idea came from your brain. You did this to yourself, Ellie. Mm, good point. <laughs> you did it to yourself. Um, and I think for me at least, being in a recording booth, reading these beautifully written, sexy passages, I was equal parts slightly aroused and completely intimidated by the fact that I'm gonna have to be the person enacting those moments, hoping like hell I could do them justice because I'm pretty awkward a lot of the time. What about for you, mate? For me, uh, oh, I was fine, great, easy, done. Yeah, look, it was, it's funny when, because we've lived it, because we've done the, the pilot and everything, um, it hasn't, when I'm reading it, it, there is a funny kind of awareness of, oh, we're going to do this soon. Okay, interesting. And most recently, there was one I was recording um, an episode and there's uh, Wyatt's in the shower and Frey bursts into the shower to confront him and they're just kind of ignoring the fact that he's naked the whole time. But it's all like, you know, like even the way the steam is written is sexy. Like it's like the steam climbs up his body like a pair of hands. I'm like, what is, what is the steam doing? How is the steam a character, you know? Well, there you go. Right on cue. Um, see, descending down my body with its steamy, <laughs> smoky hands. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a sense of that kind of, oh, and then, you know, when you do eventually, cause you're reading it and you know, you, oh, we're going to get somewhere. It, there's a point where Frey actually does, I guess, 
gesture with her eyes towards his nether regions, you know, at the end of that scene. And I can't help but be like, well, that's going to be interesting to shoot, isn't it? You know? Um, and it's all the movie magic and all that stuff, but you can't help but just think that's, that's such a funny thing because we're incredibly visual and imaginative people. Um, you know, as opposed to when we were on set and we were shooting it, it was a wonderful experience for me because I had this great connection with Ellie. It was all very clear. We were able to talk to each other, make sure we understood what we were comfortable with, mm -hmm. what we weren't. Um, I hadn't really had a lot of those experiences uh, on set, on productions to that point, you know, drama school, scenes like that, um, plays to a, to a degree, but not really, oh, how do you make something which is quite thought out and quite methodical, hand goes here, lips go there, that sort of thing. How do you make that look real and not like, oh, we are doing this for a camera and we can't be awkward mm. sort of thing. It's similar, but it's different at the same time. But it's a wonderful experience. And I, like, not in the weird way where it sounds like I look forward to doing them later. But it's like I look forward to having those moments again on set because the first experience was so wonderful yeah. working with Ellie in that regard. So, yeah. I think the thing about filming that kind of content is it really comes down to the person that you're working with. Mm. And I was really lucky to work with Charlie because I think Charlie just made me feel safe and respected the whole time. So it was quite easy on action to be able to connect. Mm. Um, and then when someone calls cut, you're just dealing with the fact that the room full of crew have watched you do something quite intimate. Yeah, but I think as well, when you have that sense of safety and connection with mm. the other person, which is very important to me because I've, I've been, you know, on set since then. and. And, you know, in situations before then with, with drama classes and everything where people don't communicate properly. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, you're checking in and you're asking if they're okay and they're telling you they are, but you, you're not getting that sensation. And you can only communicate and be so accommodating, be so there for someone, but if they can't meet you halfway, neither of you feel safe. You don't feel yeah. safe proceeding, they don't feel safe proceeding. So having that with, with Ellie and being able to be there for each other and support yeah. each other is like, Yes, there's other crew and they can all do their jobs to make you feel safe, but at the end of the day, it's the person uh -huh. you're with that has to make you feel, okay, it's just here. Mm. You know, we are here, that sort of thing. So, I think it was so mm. important for us to that moment because mm. the connection that White and Frey have is profoundly um, powerful. Interesting one. Complicated. Right? Complex. Again, again. And I think that the, the way that they were drawn Cold. to each other, mm. um, there was a huge responsibility on us to be able to honour that. Yep. And honour that love connection between these two characters because if we failed at that, mm. then the entire story... Well, people won't believe it. They won't believe it. Yeah. And you lose one of the biggest parts of the story. Mm. When we filmed what we filmed, mm. I was really proud of what we did because yeah. I think that connection came across quite beautifully. So funny story about that actually. Our proof of concept pilot didn't include our intimacy oh, scene. Oh, yes. That was for later content. Mm. Uh, but the editor, who has since been fired, decided to put right at the end of the proof of concept pilot our intimacy scene. Yeah. So I watched that with my family, with my beautiful grandfather, uh, and I was too far away from the remote to pause it, so... It's like a moment in slow motion. It was slow motion. I came out of my body <laughs> and 
as my entire family watch what was a really great intimacy scene, but not necessarily. Not to pat myself on the back, oh, but it was hot. But yeah. not, not one we want to share mm, at a family mm. gathering. Yes, yes. Um, and God bless my grandfather who knew how embarrassed I was. He turned to me and he said, good job, love. Mm. I couldn't have done that. Yeah, I think I was more fortunate. <laughs> I think I had the heads up by that point. So I was like, here is the thing. And credits, done. Pause. Close window, shut computer. Never the two shall see. <laughs> um, Until yeah. it goes to air. Until, yeah. And then they're just gonna have to deal with it really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think one of the hard things about working on an IP of this size um, has been the team that we've had to build and the people that we've had to find and, and let go along the way. Mm. Um, back in our early days when we were developing and filming content for this IP, we were working with a director who was outside of the Red Empire team, who we'd brought in, who we were really initially very excited about the vision that he was going to bring. And there was an instance for us during the shooting and development of that content where around some of the intimacy um, and the scenes that were going to be performed, he became really inappropriate. Um, and it was something at the time that I was a little bit shocked by and didn't quite know how to deal with. Um, that director obviously has never been brought back on board and we're very lucky to have people like Amy in place who keep us safe um, mm. and safeguard the team and the well-being of all of us. But it really is something that should never happen to any woman. and. Mm particularly with someone who's a director whose job it is to safeguard the well-being of the cast to bring the best possible performance out of us. Um, something that was quite confronting and quite difficult to deal with, mm. which is, I think, another reason why I was so grateful to find safety with you, mm. um, because I knew that you had my back. And I think without that, I wouldn't have been able to gone on and, and filmed what we were able to film. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, intimacy as well is, is not just with the nature of those scenes as well. It's also just the general safety, yeah. you know, you're, you're working in close quarters with people. Some people you know, some people you don't know. Um, it's hard enough, you know, kind of coming into work every yeah. day and exposing your soul, especially when the scenes of quite a confronting nature like that or even very emotional yeah. scenes. And, you have to put a lot of trust in each other. The crew has to trust the actors, the actors have to trust the crew, but everyone else has to kind of trust each other. And mm. it's kind of like a, like a chain, like, like a link, you know? And the weakest link, the moment that doesn't happen, it doesn't just affect the next person, it sort of cascades around the whole group. Mm. And the trust is broken, the intimacy is broken, um, the safety is, you know, broken. It's not there all of a sudden. Um, you know, it was really interesting working on this production because I didn't know anyone coming in and there were some, well, in the early days when we shot the pilot, I didn't know anyone coming in. Um, and there were some truly wonderful, you know, magnificent mm. people that I've met and that I work with now and I'm so happy to work with. But, you know, there, was, um, there were also people that uh, I did know, you know, that I had worked previously um, with. And, you know, when you're navigating, egos you know difficult people come and go um, but when you're navigating people that kind of when they're not out and out about it they just kind of the way they engage with you the way that they they navigate you it's on a film set nothing has to be said nothing has to be done but you can feel it 
and suddenly you don't feel entirely comfortable, you don't feel entirely safe, you see other people not feeling safe, and, and you want to do something, and especially because it was early in my career, I was like, I don't know to what degree I can voice mm -hmm. these, I can speak up, I can say, you know, because you don't want to rock the boat, as they say. And it's, it, it was so ironic that this, you know, all sort of happened, I think it was right as Me Too was mm. becoming a thing, you know. And so the hindsight was, was huge, you know, and, and it was so valuable that uh, I discovered, you know, that I wasn't alone in that and that other people had experienced stuff like that. And ultimately those you know, those few bad eggs as, you know, as they were, were, you know, removed and, and going forward, we've been able to build this fantastic team, you know, not just as a Red Empire production, but with the other people involved um, and with the people coming in, you know, um, like Carl and some of the wonderful cast we have who we, we know of their, their work ethic and the respect mm. they have and the, the intimacy and the love and the trust that they bring to their own production. So. I think what I'm most excited about mm. is continuing to share the story and the world of Interface yep. and being able to share that with this podcast and then moving into filming it as a series. Mm. I'm really, really excited and really proud to be sharing that story with a global audience because I think it's one that's really relevant and I think a lot of the themes of Interface are actually really important. Mm. particularly in this day and age when we're surrounded by so much technological advancement. I think that it's really important to have narratives and stories like this where we do question what we're doing as a society and we do pause to think about what we're capable of and what mm. that means on a global scale. Yeah, I think similarly to what you said, um, you know, I'm excited for like day one of production. Mm, so close. Um, but, you know, at the same time, and I'm also excited for craft services. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for food on set. Food? Um, for those that don't know what craft services is. Uh, and that sounds dumb, but it's true. Um, but I'm really excited for, yeah, like going forward, doing it. We've, we've put so much effort into it as we've, as we've developed. And, you know, I've, well, we as a whole team have ridden the highs and the lows, the step forwards, the step backs, the repackaging, the changing, the bringing new people on, getting old people off, you know, all this sort of stuff, close calls, like all this sort of stuff, which has been so exciting, but you know, we've ridden every wave. So to, to get to the point where we're finally doing it, I'm back in the clothes, we're back on the set where, you know, all that sort of stuff, like it's every single part of that, the traveling to, the getting up at 4am if we have to, the shooting nights. I'm going to remind you of that when yeah. you have a 5am yeah, 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 no, it's just like, I'm, <laughs> uh, but that's the thing, I, I don't have a problem getting up early when it's when you love doing, it. yeah, when it's doing what you love, you know, it's like, it's just, that's what I'm most excited for from an acting standpoint, um, but from, I guess, a story standpoint, yeah, it's, I think this is a great story. It's why I've continued to keep pushing because I go, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great role for me. It's a great role for everyone involved. The characters are so intricate and, and delicate and dense and complicated. And I just want people to see what we've seen and what we continue to see as we drive this story forward. As it goes out into the world and as the podcast goes out into the world, we want to, what I'm excited to see is the engagement. Yeah. And, the, and the messages that we've been continuing to receive from people like, this is so fantastic, or, I didn't know this, or wonderful, or, all that sort of stuff. It's like the podcast 
excitement is different to the production excitement, but they're both heading towards the same destination. They're both the same journey. What do we want to leave people with, basically, I guess is, is probably the big question. I think what I'm most looking forward to leaving the audience with, both in the podcast and the production, well, on the podcast side, eargasms. I want you guys to be like, I can't wait for the next episode. This is so rich, it's so engaging, I want to know. I think there's so much wonderful, you know, kind of cliffhangers at the end of every episode. And like we said, with the music and the soundscapes and everything, it's not just an audio book. It's, it's like a, it's an audio experience is really what we're creating in this podcast. And I think an audio or an audible experience is really what we should be calling it. Mm. Um, so that's sort of on the podcast side of it. I think overall with the production, with the story, I want the audience and I want listeners and people that engage with the content, read the book, every, all the diversified forms of the, the content, I want people to be left with the tenter hooks, just like waiting, going when, 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 so that when you know, we get to day one of production, they're like, okay, and I'm following it, and they're on all the different things, and there's the set photos, and this, and then that, and the who's who, and that, and going forward, you know, the subsequent seasons that come out of this production that keep people coming back, you know. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to, and that's what I really want to leave the audiences with and leave people with from this whole chat that we've done today. I think for me, there's so much exciting stuff that's coming in the future episodes of the podcast. Mm. I'm really excited for aspects of that narrative to be revealed. I'm really excited to be dropping another track in the final episode as well to give the audiences that music as well as that audio experience. But I think ultimately for me, what I want to leave audiences with in this podcast series and also in the television series is I want them to feel something. Because first and foremost, as an artist, anything that I create or that I write or anything that I act in, I feel a, a really big responsibility to mm. be able to reach out into television sets or into the speak mm. of someone speakers of someone's car yeah. and allow our audiences experiencing this story in all formats to connect and to feel something. Mm. They might connect with the themes of, of technology and the the issues that we're pointing out throughout the series and the way the technology is developed, or they might connect with the love story between White and Frey. Yeah. Or they might connect between the story of, of Frey and Panda or of Tempest and Jasper. I really want the audiences to feel something, anything. And if they do that, then as far as I'm concerned, we've done our jobs. Mm. But it's really exciting. And I think as this project progresses, uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next. And I can't wait to get on set in those boots again. Mm. I dream about those boots. Yeah, I think it's a sort of going forward, it's a choose your own adventure with who you want to follow and why. That's what's really exciting. There might be one main character, but really there's like 20, yeah. 30 main characters. Mm. There's someone for everyone to identify with. Yeah. So to conclude, allow us to leave you with a little teaser of what's to come. My name is Frey. This is how I sound. I speak into the back of my throat and a little bit up because I'm seductive and intriguing. My name is Jasper and I really like to be masculine with the gravel in my voice. Mine was better. Mine was better. You mine, decide. Mine was better. <laughs>
Thanks, guys. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Get ready for the next episode drop, which is coming really soon. I see you standing there Straight in an arrogant sweater Wouldn't give you to